0: Hello, I'm Steve Dania and this is the My Pride Playlist Pridecast from Virgin Radio Pride. In each episode, we speak to a member of the LGBTQ plus community and go through tracks that have soundtracked their lives. Now, due to rights reasons, the music is shorter than the original broadcast, but it's still great. Enjoy. The Virgin Radio Pridecast, proudly supported by Disney Plus, full of stories and love for all. This is Virgin Radio Pride and it's my Pride playlist. I'm Steve Dania. What a great guest tonight. I'm joined by Skin from Skunk and Nancy, singer, songwriter, electronic music DJ, somebody who's literally been at the top of her game for three decades now. And I joined her backstage at Birmingham's O2 Academy, and this is what happened. I just want to say it's lovely to meet you, and thank you so much for doing my Pride Playlist. My pleasure. Um, some cracking songs on this, and I can't wait to get into the stories. What, what would you like to start with?
1: So, you know, I'm going to start with a culture club, Do You Really Want to Hurt Me?, because this was the first time, I remember it, it and me and my friends, this was kind of like a, a giant boulder just hit in the middle of Brixton or something like, a, you know, um, because... We'd never seen anything like it. I remember being a kid and my mom going, is that a man or a woman? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just fascinated because Top of the Pops for me was like this window to another world. It's like I'm from this kind of very um, conservative religious family and very strict with Jamaican parents.
0: That's amazing you said it because so seeing Boy George for the first time, yeah. watching Top of the Pops, you said that that was like a window into...
1: Yeah. For me, boy George, boy George is really important in terms of my gay history because it was the first time I saw someone that was clearly, obviously, not straight. And, you know, my mum was like, is that man a woman, you know? And I was kind of a bit like, I don't know, but it's really fascinating to me. I mean, I grew up in a culture where... You know, I didn't know there were gay people till I was about 15. You know, I was so kind of, such a conservative kind of world. Um, and I remember being really intrigued because, uh, you know, like that, that show, Top of the Pops, is like a window to another world that I wasn't in. And it really sparked that kind of thing of like, I've got to leave Brixton and I've got to go and see what's out there. And George, Boy George with that song, you know, that was the first moment where I thought, I have to leave my town, I have to get out, you know. I have to go live somewhere else because there's all these things happening that are really exciting to me. And I know I'm not part of it because I'm in the wrong place.
0: And how old would you have been, roughly? Oh my God,
1: I don't... Because I this was about 83, early,
0: 84, wasn't Yeah, it?
1: so I would have been like, you know, I was born in 67, you know, so like seven, eight years old, you know. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. And I was riveted to it. And it was it caused a storm at school. Everybody's like, did you see Culture Club yesterday? Did you see that? Did you see that? That was crazy. And there was a lot of negativity, obviously, because of the times. But definitely got everybody talking and it just blew all of our minds. Give me a 10.
0: Culture Club on my pride playlist is Steve Daniel here backstage at Birmingham's O2 Academy with Skin from Skunk and Nancy, And I've got to ask you, you, what was your life like in the early part of the 80s when you came out?
1: My dad was in the Air Force, so we grew up in our Air Force bases up and down the country. But when we got to age six, my mum was like, okay, they have to go to school and they have to go to like the same school, um, not different schools. And so we settled in Brixton because my granddad was already there. I mean, my parents were from the Windrush generation. Yeah. You know, the generation that Enoch Powell said I'll come over. Actually, my grandparents, I should say. Um, and my mum, you know, they, she came over to, to England when she was 17. Um, I mean, at the time, you know, it was kind of like, yes, we need more people. You know, we need more people. You know, English people don't want to do those jobs, so we need to get people from our um, our Commonwealth to come and work in England. And, uh, and that was the environment I brought, was brought into, that original generation from Brixton... Um, that was, you know, one hundred percent black, uh, and obviously Brixton's not that like that now. But you know, we could only settle in certain areas in the country, and Brixton was one of them. You know, it's poor, it's run down. Um, you could afford to live there. My granddad had bought a house, you know, so that was quite a unique thing. And uh, and yeah. he helped my mum buy her first house.
0: And could, did you feel back then that you were different, and you, you, your family came from a different background?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely. I mean, at school there were loads of black kids at school, you know. Um, but you step outside of bricks and you step into other areas. You go uptown. You realise that. I mean, I definitely had a, an identity crisis because um, I you know, went to Jamaica and I knew I wasn't Jamaican because I didn't understand the word they were saying <laughs> to me. And it's like talking in this deepest, darkest patois and I'm yeah. like, huh? <laughs> and so I came back thinking, okay, well, if I'm not Jamaican and I don't feel English because nobody else thinks I'm English, you know, the first question... People say, so where are you from? And you say, England. They say, no, where are you really from? Because, you know, at that time, white people didn't think that black people were English. They thought they were from somewhere else. and yeah. not the same. Different now, you know, we have a few generations of British people or black British people. And so, you know, that was kind of where that was. I was raised in, you know, 100% black. A few white people I met when I went to church or went to school. Mm. But outside of that, you know, it was black music, it was black people, it was black culture. Um, and then I had these little windows from radio. <clears throat> excuse me. And I had a little windows of other things that were going on from the radio. I was obsessed with listening to the radio. I'd listen to the radio all day and all night. And, you know, and any music that was on TV, I had to watch it, you know. And at that time, there were loads. It was two, there was this, there was that. It was, like, so many, um, uh, so much music on television. Yeah.
0: And with, with those shows and with Boy George It Fell, I mean, looking back on it, actually something something quite cool starting yes. that era, wasn't it? Uh, it
1: was kind of like, you know, in the 1960s, you had this, like, revolt yeah. of, you know, kids had their own fashion and they stopped dressing like they're adults. Um, and then by the time it got to the 80s, it kind of revolved into, like, we're designing and, you know, working out a whole different looks and a whole culture and mm-hmm. it's you see in music you see in fashion you see in literature and art and film and everything and uh, yeah the 80s was a real kind of burst of and like another burst of um a, like a, like a movement away from the 70s which was still um, a little bit hippie, you know, mm. New York punk scene, yeah. you know, English punk scene. Um, and the 80s came along, it was much more like flowing, beautiful, a lot more kind of sexually ambiguous. It was the first real decade of sexual amb- ambiguity for me.
0: Brilliant. What are we going to go for next?
1: Um, I'm going to go with... I think this song is probably one of the best songs I've ever written. Go on. And it's um, Small Town Boy by Bronsky Beat. I mean, lyrically that spoke to so many of us that were living in, I mean, I was in Brixton and it was just like, it's still in London, but it felt like I was in a small town Mm. and there there was all this other stuff going on. And I literally just wanted to run away. So that, that song really spoke to me in terms of like, you know, he was singing what my life was and I wanted to like disappear and run away and go live somewhere else. And I think that really spoke to, I mean, I've, if it just the melody, the way it's sung, the voice, but the lyrics are incredible to that song. And it's, it's, there's something in the music, that hook, you know. It's kind of a little bit depressed, but also just the loneliness that comes from the musicality of that song as well. Mm. And, of course, Jimmy Somerville is, like, an incredible singer, you know, singing this really beautiful high soprano, which is unusual for a boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, beautiful boy he was but he was again obviously gay and I didn't really know what that meant or understood but I got the lyrics, I got that I wanted to run away from my town.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, I felt that that song spoke to me even before I realised what it, it was saying, does that to, make yeah, sense? Exactly,
1: exactly. I it knew was it kind was of, aimed at me. Yeah, it, and it was aimed at anyone that was gay that was living in an environment where that wasn't acceptable and I felt really odd in my family because I felt like I think differently, I feel differently. I'm not chasing boys. I'm not interested in, you know, what the girls wanna wear and attracting boys. I just didn't. And I felt that that was weird and that wasn't okay. And I hid that, you know, I hid that by trying to be girly and trying to do what everybody else did, Mm. you know, and trying not to appear to be gay because people thought it was weird. And there was all this negativity around it. I mean, I think that in some ways it's, I think it's, really difficult for gay kids now to appreciate how difficult it was being gay in the 80s, you know? Or in the 70s, you know? Um, And that's why for me, people like Bronsky Beat and then later Communards and and, um, uh, Boy George was, you know, that's when it was hard to be gay, you know? And they did their thing and they were themselves anyway. They were trailblazers, weren't they? Trailblazers, and you know, I think that really, everybody's standing on their shoulders right now, I feel like sometimes we're standing on their shoulders and kicking them in the face at the same time. How do you mean? You know, just because I think that they're just unappreciated and, you know, I think I think there's a part of kind of gay culture that is really kind of hes- hesitant to take on what happened before them. You know, they think that they created everything and they yes. created, <laughs> you know, and I feel that actually, no, there's like all of us older gays, we did this so that you can feel that, you know, um... And I think that sometimes I think that there's, we need to appreciate the legends that are those kind of artists. I mean, David Bowie, you know, quite big bisexual in those early days. And the stuff he was wearing was really revolutionary when he spoke to the kids. And um, and I think these people are just like, you know, incredible artists that open the doors for the likes of me. And then we open the doors for the likes of what's going on now.
0: Well, let's hear this next track. I mean, quite incredible, Small Town Boy. Goes without saying, Small Town Boy, Bronski Beat on my Pride playlist. I'm Steve Denier on Virgin Radio Pride. Uh, Skin from Skunk and Anse is my guest. And it's 40 years old, that tune, something like that. Do you think that that song is, would still be relevant to kids today?
1: Small Town Boy could have been written yesterday. You know, mainly because it's electronic. There's electronic sound there. That people are now trying to get back to. <laughs> <laughs> all those old keyboards that got thrown out, you know, all those it, fair lights. It's and the all sound now. Isn't it? Try and buy those drum machines now, they cost you thousands and thousands of pounds. Right. Because there's an earthiness and a, a warmth to that old technology, to those old, early analog drum machines that you're not really getting, that like they're trying to copy with digital sounds. They have all these digital sounds. Oh, it sounds like an old fair light oh, it sounds like an old TR, you know, this, a 909, and a 908. You know, we're trying to get back to those sounds. Sure. And you can only really get them if you have those old drum machines, you know. Um, get and so, as on a eBay. consequence, <laughs> Yeah, as a consequence, that music sounds fresh as daisies to me. You know, you can play that up against Blood Orange or any new band that's around now.
0: So on to this next track. I mean, one word to describe this next one. Legendary, right?
1: This artist, everybody knew he was gay. Before he came out, got to be 15 years. You know, George Michael was always gay to me. I never saw George (laughs) Michael as a straight guy. No, no. And it's something that we always kind of used to laugh about. You know, really? You're pretending to be straight at this point. (laughs) And, um, And so Faith was just like when he kind of left Wham, which I wasn't so much into Wham, I must admit. It wasn't really my kind of thing. And then he came out with this song and he had that video and it was just, amazing it was such a great song
0: the video was the video, i just described the video he's all in
1: jeans he's like double jeans that's right and, the, and, and he's, he's shaking, double he's got like a, that big quiff and he's gorgeous and he's just shaking his little tush <laughs> playing a guitar yeah so pretty simple video yeah yeah just a brilliant song Um, And it's kind of by that point, it's like, yeah, we all know George Michael's gay and we're all gay. I was kind of out by that time, you know, and we just all got to enjoy it, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And it's just a big, fat, huge tune that I just still makes me happy to this gay, to this this, this gay. (laughs) It's just such a big tune. (laughs) It's it's just such a big tune that makes me happy to this day. You know. Yeah. It's interesting, though. You've got to have faith. You've got to have faith. Why
0: do you think that he didn't come out?
1: I think he didn't come out because he had such a female audience, you know. He was so, so hot. So hot. And so many women were in love with him. And I'm sure the record company were like, you come out, you're going to be, you're going to lose your audience. It's going to be really bad for you. I'm sure he heard that his whole career. Um, You know, um, and I've met George a couple of times. Oh, you have? Yeah, just the sweetest, sweetest man just lovely conversationalist and funny and cute and just so nice and, and lovely. And, I, you know, you can just see us. He was such a kind of like, you know, it's like if Lenny Kravitz came out, you know, he's such a sex god to women that it's like, you know, I'm sure he just had so much pushback from the record company because he was huge and they were earning so much money and they would not have wanted to have anything disrupt with that. No. Um, but we all knew you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
0: wonder if that so if that kind of hung around his neck uh, for, for the decades that followed. Well, he yeah. seemed quite a tortured character, Yeah, I and I,
1: I think that, that would absolutely 100% contribute.
0: Because um, you can't hide it, can you? That's the thing, you cannot hide your sexuality. Yeah, some people sexuality. can hide
1: it. Some people, you know, behind closed doors or a small group of friends, they mm. kind of get to be free. But to have to lie to everybody's face all of the time, I mean... You know, think of those early actors and, and what they had to go through in the studio, kind of making sure that nobody knew, nobody knew they were gay and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think it's going to make you miserable, you know, the lying and the pretense and not being free to be yourself. Um, I'm sure that really hurt him and drugs were a way of just kind of escaping that.
0: In from Skunk and Nancy, joining me tonight on my Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. What a pick! George Michael and Faith. Two and a half minutes of brilliance, wouldn't you say?
1: Wow. Two and a half minutes of absolute butt-shaking joy, that song is. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
0: <laughs> In one nutshell, I In love his skin. <laughs> this is loads of fun. What are we going to go on to next? What do you fancy?
1: Um, I'm going to go on to a, a, an artist that's quite new. I think this was their birth first big hit um an artist called king princess and this is um probably the standout track from their early career called 1950. Mm. i met this artist because my other half um whose name is lady fang she puts on huge week parties in new york and she has a festival called ladyland um and that was i didn't know about this artist and she's like yeah i'm gonna put this amazing girl it was the first year she did it about three years ago right i'm gonna put this amazing girl called king princess and so i went like top on Spotify and stuff. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I've just fell in love with them ever since. You know, I I just think the music is great. Um, Beautiful voice, interesting lyrics, super young, like 18 when I first discovered this artist. Um, And I just think it's just lovely that you can just be completely out and open as an artist now uh, if you're gay Mm. or trans or non-binary or, you know, whatever gender or description however you decide to call yourself now now i think in certain circles it's a positive in fact in fact it's more positive with just being a straight white guy it's more interesting if you're like a gay kind of kind of gives you more bows to your arrow that kind of thing more depth (laughs) you know i think it's interesting to see the swap around where you see some artists kind of half pretending to be binary and all this kind of stuff because you know that's where it's at yeah that's where it's at that's what's cool um, so yeah, this is King Princess, and this is a... Uh 1950, this track is called. I I, it's really catchy
0: it. as well. I love it. It kind of yeah. like, It drags it, me in. It
1: evokes the... the mood and, you know, they've done it all themselves and written it and they play and everything. So it's all cool.
0: Okay, great. I, I thought this might be a quite a nice time to ask you about your life in New York then because uh, you discovered this artist. And yeah. Tell me more about that. So uh, so you have a home in New York, do you?
1: Yeah, um, I uh, we, we live in, um, in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, kind of next to Williamsburg. Um,
0: and what's that like now?
1: It's great. I mean, you know, it was very hard during COVID because you know New York was hit really badly because it's a, it's a port, right? It's where people come from yeah. from all over the world. So they got COVID really quite badly, and so so were you and locked we had down black, there? Li- yeah. So we were locked down there. I mean, you really were not allowed to go out and, unless you're buying food. Um, and then you know, Black Lives Matters happens, and so there were like you know, riots and stuff going on. Actually, there wasn't that many riots. There were a couple, but. Um, You know, then they had a curfew. You couldn't go out after eight o'clock. So it really got quite claustrophobic at one point. You know, we kind of like managed to escape and leave and go to go to Spain for a few weeks, Um, which was lovely. But it's really interesting. It's, It's interesting to see England from an American perspective. And New York is very much like a New York. It's very different from the rest of America. Um, and so that's always quite a unique experience to see and what Americans think about English people, all kinds of English people. They're very into kind of like roadman talk now. Americans are very oh, much... Right? Yeah, Americans <laughs> love roadman talk because all they've got is Downton Abbey, really. Right. Americans thought that English people were all Downton Abbey, <laughs> mainly white and just extremely posh, speaking the Queen's English. And now because... Um, um, uh, like, drill and all that kind of music is massive in America. Oh, right. So they know Stormzy now and they yeah. know Dave. And, you know, you go into, like, shopping malls and they're playing Stormzy, you know. And then it's, it's so... Now it's kind of like they, they're into roadman. They're into, like, black English culture in a way that's never happened before Amazing. in America. I mean, they, they always kind of look down upon the way that we rap. <laughs> you know, because yeah, you know, it's like selling coal to the mind, isn't it? Uh, yes. And now it's kind of like they understand that English rap or English, you know, chat or whatever is completely different. From it's got its own thing, it's isn't its it? Own genre, its own thing. We're not trying to copy anybody. We've developed really since drum and bass. You know, you can you can walk from drum and bass. You can go to dubstep. You can go to two step whatever. There's a chat that we have developed over the last 25 years they have got us to this place where you have artists like Storms and Dave Ritchie Huge. And they're getting it there now, like in Ubers and whatever, this guy was just playing all this stuff. And I was like, how do you even know about this music? He goes, yeah, man, I'm really into my drill. I'm really into my, you know. So um, that's quite hilarious to see English culture hitting America in that way. I hate it when dukes try to chase me. But I love it when you try to save me cause I'm just a lady. Oh, yeah.
0: King, Princess, 1950 on Virgin Radio. Pride, my Pride playlist. I'm Steve Dania, joined by Skin from Skunk and Nancy. What a guest tonight! And what's your next track? What do you What do you want? Because we're kind of on a roll now.
1: I'm going to go with this band called uh, I don't know what the, if it's a band or it's for them, but or an artist. But um, I um, discovered this artist uh, a couple of years ago. They're called the uh, Girl in Red. And the track is We Fell In Love In October, which I think is a new track. This and is
0: lovely and this is kind of dreamy, I thought. Yeah. When I heard it, it just took my mind away. I really loved it. What, tell me more.
1: It's a beautiful track. I love the voice. I love the lyrics. And it's interesting because I think there's a sound that got developed during COVID because everybody kind of built their own studios and recorded in their bedrooms or in little room cupboards in their houses, you know, making up little studios. And I think that's, there's a new sound coming out that's a very homemade sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and this artist kind of felt like they started in that and now they're getting bigger and bigger. They just played Coachella. Um, and I just fell in love with this artist from those early tracks. Um, and I think it's really interesting to, to see the new kind of generation of artists coming out, you know, that, and really to support them and to listen to the messages that they have. because They're telling their stories in a different way. Yeah. And I love this, love this track and I love the perspective that they come from.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. And you know, it's weird to think that all those years ago people would have said the same about your work and skunk and answer. They'd be like, Oh my god, have you heard this? I mean, I remember the first time I saw you, I think it was on Chris's show, Chris Evans TFI Friday. Friday, And the following day, I mean I'd heard you on the radio, but I saw you, and the following day I went to our price and bought the album. (laughs) And for at least a week or weekend or whatever, I thought, You're my best kept secret. (laughs) Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, it's interesting doing this tour because. Because I think what we bring out all of those small-time boys and girls and thems and, and, and all these little kids that were seen as freaks in their little village. And they come to the gigs and you just see them being free and being released. I mean, last night we played in Norwich and there was a couple at the front. Uh, you know, and I would say Norwich felt like a quite conservative town to me. And there was a couple in front that were just like snogging and enjoying themselves and singing along the whole time. And they were just free to be themselves and nobody was saying anything to them. Brilliant. They've got a couple of funny looks, but nobody was saying anything because it's like the least thing on stage is gay. And yeah. this is a gay, friendly environment. And if you're going to say anything, then I'm going to get get at you from the mic.
0: And you've always been like <laughs> I mean, you are a trailblazer as far as that's concerned. I've, I've always been
1: out, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean... You know, I remember very early in the career, like literally the band was just, you know, a few couple of months old and uh, my manager came and said, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Uh, if you say that you're not gay, you'll probably send lots, sell a lot more records. Really? You know? That
0: was actually said? She said That's me, what we've always yeah. thought, but she she said that said was me, said.
1: Yeah, that was said to me. She said, if you, if you no, don't say anything about sexuality, you will probably sell a lot more records, but you'll be a lot less happy. What do you want to do? And I said... Did
0: you even think?
1: I said, I'm going to be happy. She said, exactly. But I have to give you, I have to say to you, as a manager, just so you know, it's probably going to be a lot harder for you, but I think you'll be happier. You know, and I was lucky that I had a manager that came to me and said, because obviously your manager gets the the real story from the record company. Nobody comes to me and to my face and says, don't say that you're gay, you're going to sell more records. You know, um... But they'd obviously said it to my manager, and she's the one that was like listening to all the whispers and everything. And so at one point she, just had, she had to come and tell me, I said, so, you know, this is what they're saying, but I don't agree, and you know, but you need to know. And I said, well, I'm I not sure. I said, let's lift records, because I'm not sure I would be happy.
0: If you're just listening in, it's my pride playlist tonight on Virgin Radio Pride, joined by legendary artist Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Already picked Culture Club, Bronski Beat. What's next on your list?
1: We're going to go for Big Joni. Fall asleep.
0: Okay, so tell me about this track. This is interesting.
1: Yeah, Big Joni. They're a band that I first. was aware of many years ago. They've been been abandoned different kind of ways um, over the years with different members. Um, and I love them. They're just really there's a four-piece now, but they're originally a three-piece. Piece. And we actually had them support us at the uh, Brixton Academy. We mm. had them come on. Um, and we've interviewed each, each, each other for various things, you know. Um, and they they have a very original sound. And uh, one, they play stand-up drums. Drummer plays standing up. Really, wow. Um, really interesting, you know, musicality. Um, well, at Southwest, West, um, was it South by Southwest? Mm. Uh, Rolling Stone voted them as the most coolest band of the whole thing. And they're really amazing people. Really lovely people. Great music. I think hopefully they're just going to get better and better and better. Um, so it's slightly promoting my friends, but my friends deserve to be promoted. No,
0: this is a great track. <laughs> this is a bang of a track. I've heard this again and again and yeah, again. If great, I want to feel good it? about a day, I'd I put this on and yeah. I'm walking with struts. And, you yeah. know, it's got you that. Know, it's
1: got like kind of like a bit of a punky X-ray specs beginnings. You know, they've kind of got a punk edge to them. Uh, three black women. Um, just amazing band. And I just want them to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: Joni on My Pride Playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Dernier. Uh, literally, Britpop legend, singer, songwriter, electronic music DJ, an incredibly nice person and soul. Skin from Skunk and Nancy joins me. We were just talking about what it was like being a black gay artist. You're right in the middle of the Britpop movement. Tell me more about that.
1: The image of that Britpop wanted to sell to America, you know, the successful... Uh, road to America to become huge. Um, That was this goal that all English bands have: to be big in America, be big in America. Um, And, you know, the face that they wanted to show was not black. You know, the whiteness to them was four white boys and floppy hairs in a band, you know, and different kind of ideas of white boy rock, you know. And we were never Brit rock, we were never Brit pop. You know, we never Brit any of that kind of stuff because you were like we pure weren't Brit we you weren't, had our own
0: vibe going on. It didn't kind, you, we mean.
1: started around the same time, I would have to say. Right. I mean, basically, Britpop came out of the fact that grunge was so huge, and grunge just wiped the floor with all other genres of rock and indie. And I think that after four years, you know, of grunge, you know, the British kind of music industry wanted to find a way to promote British music and and be anti anything that sounded American or was influenced by American bands. And, and you know, literally they sat there and thought, Britpop, we'll call it Britpop, you know. Mm. And certain artists whose names I weren't mentioned, you know, really kind of saw themselves as the figureheads for that. And they all worked together, the journalists and the music industry and the newspapers worked together to promote them and, you know, and some other bands. And, you know, any band that was kind of, you know, not, Influenced by America, or had any, which is kind of ridiculous because all bands really are, very, you know, are Influenced by rock music, because you know, rock music comes from Black Americans.
0: It's a movement, um,
1: isn't it? You know, so they wanted to kind, of, almost kind of whitewash it, take away those influences, and say no, British flag everywhere. Um, this is Britpop, and we're going to sell this to Americans. You know, it's their own thing. And Sky Connects were very much pushed to the side of that. You know. Um, But we became successful anyway because we were one of the best live bands in Britain. We had great songs um, and we were completely different. (laughs) And I think as Britpop kind of swelled into this big bloated whale, we were like the salmon swimming upstream in a different direction and we became a bit of an antidote to Britpop.
0: And you certainly, certainly did. Now, this next track is so huge. I just want you to introduce it and we'll get straight into it because it's amazing.
1: Elton John, your soul. Beautiful.
0: How wonderful life is while you're... So beautiful. Skin from Skunk and Auntie's pick on My Pride playlist on Virgin Radio Pride, Elton John, your song. Why, why do you think that Elton John is so important? Why is he still so essential to you?
1: I mean, you know, if you think about how Elton John, one artist, has changed the face of gayness and changed the face of gay politics, to have this hugely successful artist that can turn around and tell Putin to bog off because of the way that gay people are treated and the way that they've changed laws in Russia. You know, how many artists do we have of that that stature Um, that can do that? So I think that because he's been around so long and he's like a Lovely old leather sofa that just ages <laughs>
0: beautiful. I love that. You know,
1: he's like a lovely old beautiful kind of He's a constant, isn't he? That, that just ages and it gets better with time and now he's having hits with Juleepa. And that just makes me really happy. I mean, I've met and, and I hung out with, with um, Elton a few times and he's as lovely as you think he's going to be. You know?
0: That's good to hear that. And
1: he's the foundation of so much positivity. I mean, if you talk about standing on the shoulders of someone, um, that we all stood on the shoulders of Elton John, you know? Um, He's like an actual gay, not gay-friendly, not gay-liking, not gay-adjacent, a gay artist that's been out forever um, that continues to just be this... um, it's kind of like, I see him kind of like the, the, the dam holding back all the nastiness that gay culture would have if it wasn't for him. You know, nobody wants to insult, you know, the queen, the real yeah. queen of England, which is Elton John.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah.
1: And I think that as a consequence, like, he promotes new music and younger artists so much on his shows and he works with them and he, you know, gives them the blessing and he's also to new music. So I just think he's, in England, he's just this foundation that we have, he's like the concrete that we all stand on that we can all afford to jump off. Because, you know, some artists are like quicksand, you know, you can't depend on them. Mm -hmm. But, and I, so I just wanted to play an Elton John song. And I know it's a, you know, he's got lots of new hits, but this is probably my favourite Elton John song. Does this,
0: does this song remind you of anything like in your life? Because it's such a deeply personal song to many people. It's one of the best
1: love songs ever written. You know, and I, I think about that song when I look at my other half. yeah. You know, And I think that when you think about songs that have been written for other people... Yes. What better song is there than this one, by your song by El- Elton John? Yeah. So that's my tribute. I just think he's incredible.
0: That is beautiful. I think Elton would be so proud of what you just said. Now, I'm excited about your next pick. This is something completely different uh, from someone who started their career. Am I right in thinking this artist started doing kind of open mic nights?
1: Kate Empith is an artist that I just absolutely adore. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, um, the stories that they tell in, within the words, I mean, I would say that I'm into this artist more for the lyrics and the words in some ways than the music, and that's the other way around, you know? Normally the music, like everybody, the music hits me first. But this artist, it's the words that hit me first. The way the the stories that they conjure up in their head when you listen to them speak are just mind-blowing. Beautiful writer. Um, And this song, Firestorm, that I'm going to play from K-Tempest, is... I guess it's, you know, it's a bit of a love song to my other half, you know, I listened to that and I was kind of like, that's how I feel about my other half, you know, it kind of spoke to me in that way. you know, and I know that they've recently trans, trans, transformed, you know, moved, moved into the gender that they were supposed to be. Mm. And I feel very happy about that. I feel really like, wow, that's really cool. It's
0: quite a journey, isn't it? Because I was seeing pictures earlier of mm. before and now. Yes. Um, and it's amazing to see, isn't it? Someone the transformation, happy, you know? somebody who's found in themselves. Their
1: shoes, in their own shoes now. So, um, yeah, it's just an artist that I really love and an artist that I really admire. And one of those artists. God, I wish I could write like that.
0: <laughs> yes, really. It's so it kind of reminded me of when I first said it, almost like when I first said "streets" years ago. Yes. I don't know if that's a fair comparison, Mike Skinner, "streets." You know.
1: Yeah. But- again, another poet that becomes a, an artist. You know, a lyricist, and uh, um, yeah, just incredible. New album's great, but this is my particular favourite.
0: Eight Tempest, the rather excellent choice of my guest tonight, Skin from Skunk and Nancy on Virgin Radio Pride, who I caught up with backstage at Birmingham's O2 Academy, literally hours away from stepping on stage herself. And I had to ask her how she felt about listening to her own tracks, you know, literally three decades on from them being first released. I-
1: to say they're like they're like old friends. Yeah. You know they're like old friends that I go and visit. <laughs> you know, oh how are you? You're doing well. Oh you see? especially some ex lover that kind of hurt you. It's like oh you don't hurt me anymore. Just are they
0: nice all kind of like you. mini chapters and yeah, different stuff? I mean,
1: some songs are written about direct people and some songs are like a kind of composite of different characters. But Henderson for instance is like an old ex. You know it's like I'm going to see an old ex that doesn't hurt me anymore. And I can almost kind of laugh. Oh, you really? Are you still in this bed, Sit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So oh, sorry for you. Bless oh, you. Well, I've written this hit song about you and I'm huge. Oh, <laughs> isn't that good for me? You know, it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's like, especially when that song was about how badly I was treated. And, they just, and went you on still- to, they just went on to just do the same thing to a bunch of other people. So, yeah, it's like kind of like that song, Headlands like visiting an old ex that you can smirk it. And
0: listen, you know, I'm like an excited schoolboy sat here with you backstage. So many questions I want to ask you. But you know, you mentioned Bowie earlier and some of the people that you've toured. Give yeah. me some, give me some like, amazing moments with Ledger's. I mean, who's really excited you that you've, you've do you know, to tour with really or you warmed up you know, it was really lovely when for... we did
1: some gigs with with you two, especially they were right in that peak of their career with Lemon Tour. And they taught us so much because they taught us how to be a band and how you're supposed to treat another band, how right. a big band is supposed to treat a small band. And we still do some of the things that we've learned from them. You know, we still put a bottle of, of, of wine in the dressing room of our support bands saying welcome to the tour nice you know? nice so nice i never forgot that bit and i was like mm, i'm gonna steal that and then after the gig sometimes when they weren't flying off in a big plane a lemon plane they <laughs> would just come back so we'd just go and hang out with them in their dressing rooms wow you know? wow and bono would be holding court and it would just be like i have to pinch myself i'm hanging out with bono you know um And again, David Barry was the same. He let us travel on his private plane with him one time, you know, so that we could all be together. Lovely, sweet, gentle person, highly intelligent. Um, Really loved us and had us play with him whenever he could.
0: That's Not many people can say that, can they? That yeah, they've <laughs> even met him, let alone travelled with him, and that must be incredible. Do you sometimes pinch yourself and go, yeah, "That actually yeah, happened? That
1: actually happened. Yeah,
0: craziness. Amazing. Could we? Should we do the last song?
1: The last song. I'm gonna actually go back in time okay. to a band called Case Choice, and the song is called "Not an Addict." Mm,
0: mm, 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 mm. from Skunk and Nancy, uh doing a rather excellent My Pride playlist tonight on Virgin Radio Pride. Uh, thank you so much. I, just, I want to ask you this one final question. Uh, pride season's on at the minute. What does pride mean to you now in 2022?
1: Pride means to me that not to be ashamed of who you are, to just let it go, be happy, take away all that negative and just be proud to be gay because, you know, Falling in love with someone is just a wonderful thing and we should, all be have, we should all have the freedom to do that in whichever way we want to do it, you know, um, so that's what pride means to me, it's just like standing up and being proud and being happy in my own skin.
0: Well, Skim from Skunkinazzi, thank you so much. I've loved hanging thank out with you. you backstage here, hearing your stories and uh, listening to your songs as well and, uh, and just like meeting such a powerful sm over the, the years and the decades. Oh, and it's so great so to see you looking so happy and, uh, <laughs> and ready to entertain Birmingham tonight, yes, which I'm sure you're going to do. Me, you know, I think
1: they want to make noise. <laughs> upstairs, yeah, so yeah. Please
0: apologise to your band. I've kept you for hours. Thank you so much. Lovely no to worries. meet you.
1: Thank you very much
0: my pride playlist virgin radio pride thank you so much for listening in that was the my pride playlist pridecast and make sure you subscribe to hear loads more good stuff from virgin radio pride the virgin radio pridecast proudly supported by disney plus full of stories and love for all